do you have any idea about how much blood have been spilled so far in christian lewis wars well if you don't then i have a number for you more than 10 million deaths have been caused due to christian lewis wars forget about those who have been injured those who have been forcefully converted and those who have suffered psychological trauma these more than 10 million deaths comes from papal persecution inquisition campaigns crusade wars and other christian lewis wars so the notion of live or let live has been turned down by these Christian missionaries in, uh, into another notion that is either you live or I live. Namaste everyone, this is Avinash Vasisht and today I am going to take you on the tour of declassifying the troubling records of Christian missionaries in India. But before that, I would like to extend my thanks and gratitude to Sangam Talks and in particular Rahul Diwanji for giving me this opportunity to have a detailed discussion on such a highly contentious issue. In this video, I will be covering a report published in year 1956 titled Christian Missionary Activities Inquiry Committee Report. This report was popularly known as Niyogi Committee Report as the person who heads the committee was Dr. M. Bhavani Shankar Niyogi, retired Chief Justice of Nagpur High Court along with five other members. This report was divided into two volumes and three parts. In this video, I will be covering some highlights of volume one so as to give you a fair glimpse of Christian missionaries menace and their frightening track record in India. But before diving into the details of this report, I would like to ask you a very pertinent question that do you have any idea about how much blood have been spilled so far in Christian Lewis wars? Well, if you don't, then I have a number for you. More than 10 million deaths have been caused due to Christian Lewis wars. Forget about those who have been injured, those who have been forcefully converted, and those who have suffered psychological trauma. These more than 10 million deaths comes from papal persecution, inquisition campaigns, crusade wars, and other Christian Lewis wars. So if I would like to put it in a present context, it is just like eliminating one third population of Canada. Now, if this doesn't convince you much, and anyone wants you to go into the apologetics of defending Christianity by giving good Christian, bad Christian argument, then I have something more to present before you. And that is the mission and vision statement of prominent Christian organizations who were sitting at the steering wheel of Christendom, governing and influencing the decisions of Christian missionaries who were operating on the Indian soil. So the first one is International Missionary Council in year 1952 under missionary obligations of the church published and I quote in wide regions of the world. The major problem is hunger. In the present situation, there are opportunities for the church constitutional provisions of several newly independent states, new resources for mass evangelism through press, film, radio and television. So you can see that Christian missionaries were looking at human miseries like hunger and poverty as an opportunity to seek the goal of mass proselytization. Now, it, it's also important uh, to, to note that towards the end of world wars, there was a movement started within the Christian world called Cumanical Movement. This movement was primarily focused uh, to seek unity within different Christian organizations uh, from different denominations uh, to come under one umbrella to have with a goal to have domination across the globe under Christian flag. I want you to remember the name of this movement 
because in the later slides i have covered some uh, important de details about this movement now in year 1945 the commission on just and durable peace openly declared that one of the four points of peace requiring christian actions to work for christian unity on a worldwide wide basis and to achieve that achieve that christian forces of the world must become a well organized and militant minority now after having a perusal on the casualty statistics and their sinister mission mission and vision statement uh, it is quite obvious to have some questions in our mind and those questions are that for how long they have been operating uh, on the indian soil what was the scale of their expansion what means they have adopted uh, to persuade indians and why is it a matter of concern for us so this report this niyogi committee report has answered to all these questions in a very exhaustive manner now coming back to the basics of the committee the locations which were under the immediate inquiry of the committee majority of the areas uh, were come came, were come from uh, madhya pradesh state incidental to that there are certain other areas which comes which came from uh, chatisgarh odisha rajasthan and Mad maharashtra states uh, now in act uh, now actually uh, there were 14 districts which were under the immediate scrutiny of the committee uh, those 14 districts were raigad sarguja raipur bilaspur amravati nimar yavatmal akola buldana mandala jabalpur betul shindwara and balaghat so in all these 14 districts uh, the committee has launched the investigation to look into the grievances of uh, indigenous site uh, against the activities of christian missionaries now it is also important to mention here the past record of uh, mp state in terms of uh, their reorganization and merger plan because in this report report you will find repeated references of reorganization and merger plan of mp state so in on 1st of november 1956 mp state came into existence earlier it was central province and berar after independence just after independence mp uh, was created with nagpur as its capital it includes southern part of today's mp and uh, northeast uh, portions of today's maharashtra uh, now in year 1956 the state was uh, reorganized uh, and its its parts were merged with madhya bharat india pradesh and bhopal uh, with bhopal as its capital so this was a short summary uh, of mp state it will help you to understand uh, the locations which were fall under the immediate scrutiny of the committee now uh, when we look at the locations uh, uh, which were under the scrutiny of the committee there are certain common connecting threads in those locations and those are that majority of the areas were bordering regions there was high concentration of tribal population uh, majority of these areas have remote and terrain uh, areas uh, so obviously there was an issue of uh, there was law and order issue and uh, lastly there was a high concentration of uh, rich minerals and natural resources so after looking at all these uh, connect uh, common connecting threads it is quite easy to understand that why these locations were on the prime target of christian missionaries now as for in terms of constitution of this committee uh, it is unique in many terms uh, as the committee was constituted by the inherent powers of the state unlike a committee uh, constituted under the commission of inquiry act or the judicial committee uh, the most striking and the prominent feature about this committee is uh, that it lacks the element of coerciveness uh, and what i mean by that is that this committee cannot demand compulsory presence of any witness neither it demands uh, any uh, compulsory written, written statement from any person uh, 
uh, and if in case they have floated any questionnaire that they can uh, then they cannot even uh, seek mandatory replies from the person so this was the most unique feature about the committee now even the, the committee lacks the element of coerciveness yet you can imagine the success of this committee by looking at the exploration statistics statistics of the committee so as far as the exploration of the committee is concerned they have visited 77 centers 11360 persons approximately were contacted 375 written statements were received person interviewed came from 700 villages uh, the committee has made visits to schools churches hospitals leper homes hostels etc which were on the prime target of christian missionaries uh, in that region the committee has also consulted a number of published books periodicals reports and pamphlets uh which i have also quoted in my in my subsequent slides in the form of references uh and the committee has also floated questionnaire in which uh, 385 replies received 55 from christian lobbies and rest of the other 330 from the indigenous side that is the non christian side now as far as the scope of uh, inquiry is concerned initially uh, the inquiry was confined purely to local regions and it was grievance centric now what i mean by this grievance centric is that the representations and complaints made to the state uh, by the indigenous com uh, community only on that basis uh, the inquiry the committee has took the cognizance apart from the, that there was nothing into the consideration of the committee but in the later stage after gathering the evidences and documents the committee felt the need to expand its scopes scope pan india in order to inquire into the extra religious and political motives of the of the christian missionaries now this pressing necessity of expanding the scope of inquiry could be understood by the by the by three by three straight simple facts and those are in terms of foreign donation 29.27 crores received within a span of four years that is 1950 to 54 this amount annually stood around uh, 73 million 175000 now as far as the number of missionaries and foreign proselytizers are concerned 38 missionaries were were active uh, in the central province of berar region uh, from different denominations uh, 480 active foreign proselytizers uh, were were involved in those uh, missionary projects uh, they were awarded with heavy salaries and allowances now as far as the proselytizing figures are concerned the most relevant data on this point was uh, 1941 census uh, the most interesting aspect of this census uh, is that it was made community wise and the aspect of religion was totally absent Uh, one indian author asin parashar breaks the mystery behind this community wise census uh, by by decoding the uh, number of converts uh, increase in the num number of converts in that decade that is from 1931 to 1941 the author quoted that there was a increase of 34 lakh 74000 128 uh, converts noted in india uh, in that decade in hyderabad region alone there was a jump of 141.6% uh, converts was recorded so in the light of these three these three facts we can uh, we can we can have a fair understanding of uh, on what scale they are operating uh, what amount of donations they are receiving and what they are achieving in terms of results so this in itself is an uh, is uh, this this data this these facts are itself in uh, self evident uh, to raise alarms uh, on the activities uh, of christian missionaries in india Uh, so in short this report has everything that we need to know about the activities of christian missionaries in india 
uh, once gandhi has also remarked about the uh, about the nefarious activities of christian missionaries uh, he said and i quote memon has been sent to india to serve india and god has remained behind uh, although gandhi has uh, on several other occasions have also re- uh, remarked on the activities of christian missionaries but this was the most relevant statement uh, in terms of uh, decoding the modus operandi of christian missionaries in india now as far as the responses of parties are concerned initially christian side uh, was very cooperative they accompanied companies committee in their visits uh, later on but later on roman catholic lobby uh, protested against the inquiry committee and they have lodged a petition in the high court under the writ of mandamus which was uh, later on turned down by the high court uh, as far as the indigenous side is concerned their response was throughout positive they have submitted their grievances both in uh, writing and orally and uh, they have accompanied committee in their visits lawyers and activists activists from their side have made their representations now when i look at this whole scenario the way in which uh, uh, the blame game of christian missionaries uh, uh, were played out uh, and the way in which they were pursuing the inqu- the inquiries of the committee uh, uh, i prefer to call it a punch fight between an elephant and a mouse Uh, where the elephant was uh, heavily guarded with the punches of foreign fundings organized religious structure with centralized command uh, ha- and have the favorable ground of corrupt education system misgovernance um, and also have the uh, shield of foreign back political entities uh, whereas on the other hand mouse has nothing but deep rooted indigenous culture and diversity at its stake in his defense so this was a outright a flawed equivalence uh, which was played out uh, now in order to help in order to help you understand more clearly this scenario i have a question i have to follow up and the question are is who was on the steering wheel of social and economic strata when world wars finished colonizer or the colonized the bargain of new world order favors whom the colonizer or the colonized what was the dominant religion of colonizers christianity or the indigenous faith who has proselytization as integral part of their religious beliefs colonizer or the colonized so if your answer lies in the option a then i think you have fairly understand the scenario which i'm presenting before you uh, by calling it a case of flawed equivalence now even if i i disagree with the with the way in which this uh, this whole scenario was played out but still i want to i am interested to uh, to hear out the allegations of the christian lobbies and their allegations uh, were basically this first is institutionalized harassment second one is communalization of politics third one is unnecessary halt in progressive and development works uh, fourth one is uh, propagation of hatred against christianity so uh, let us come to these allegations one by one so the first one is institutionalized harassment now what happened was that uh, this plan of this reorganization and merger plan that is the integration of mp state itself seen as an as an tool of institutionalized harassment by the christian lobbies and the reason behind is that earlier the grip of christian missionaries on the fragmented ab- aboriginal community was very firm but when this reorganization plan came into existence and it was executed those fragmented aboriginals uh, come into clubbed into one region and therefore their unity get gets fortified and this gives a frustration to the christian community 
to the Christian missionaries. So the uh, and the inside fact about this story is that the population of aboriginals counted 18% uh, before merger. After merger, the population percentage stood around 53%. The percentage rise somewhere stood around 35%. So an increase of 35% uh, in the population of aboriginals after the reorganization plan um, is, a, is a very noticeable increase. And you can imagine that uh, when these, uh, the, these aboriginal community comes together, and then obviously they will be uh, more, uh, they will be unforbidable to, uh, for Christian missionaries to pursue their goal, goal of mass proselytization. Now let's come to the uh, second delegation that is communalization of politics. Uh, so the, so I, I would just like to state uh, two, three blunt facts before you, and then I will leave the question to the wisdom of your intellect that you will decide that who is communalizing the politics. So the ecumenical movement, uh, stated policy for Asia uh, is, and the movement is meant to combat the utopian expectation of non-Christian lions and discontinuance of rapid uh, development, modern technology, industry in Asia. So for them, the expectations of non-Christian lions, uh, like spiritual awakening, uh, tolerance, humanity, uh, are all utopian expectations in their eyes. And they are seeing it as a roadblock uh, in, in pursuing their goal of mass conversion. Now, Mr. McLeish, a trustee of World Dominion Press, which maintained a close relation with International Missionary Council, proposed conversion of six lakh, six lakh villages within a span of 10 years with a stated goal to overcome the forces of secularism, nationalism, and material industrialism. So for them, expectations of non-Christians is a problem. Secularism is also a problem. Nationalism and material industrialism is also a problem and a roadblock in their goal to pursue the mass proselytization projects. So now I, I left, I, as I said earlier, that I left this question to your, to the wisdom of your intellect to decide that who is actually having a problem with, uh, with the notion of secularism right from the very beginning. So that this blame of communalization of politics doesn't actually hold any water uh, uh, when it comes to, uh, from the mouth of uh, any Christian missionary organization. Now, the third allegation was the unnecessary halt of progressive works, the so-called progressive works. Uh, so no doubt the Yogi Committee report paid uh, tribute to welfare projects in the report uh, of Christian missionaries. But at the same time, it underlines the sublime thinking that was lurking behind it by quoting Butterfield report, which advocates mass proselytization as the end goal of, as the end goal of every Christian missionary who is operating on Indian soil. Uh, Blue Book Annual Report of Evangelical and Reformed Churches in year 1954 expressed worries over material progress of, the, of India. They said, and I quote, India is changing so rapidly that even those who are closely associated with country uh, through missionaries and river find it difficult to keep up with every phase of socio-economic and political development. Within seven years after gaining independence, India has moved into the place of world leadership in spite of droughts, floods, and other calamities. Therefore, resurgent Hinduism have been held in check. Two and a half million acres of additional land brought under irrigation. Food grains were increased by 11 million tons. 
new fertilizer plants, laboratories, research centers were opened. So to what extent the Christ would be regarded as the hope for the world in such a situation? So their worry was not that uh, whether India was progressing or, or not. Their worry was that there should be a monopoly in terms of uh, credit claims. They need to claim the credit in the name of Christ uh, for all these welfare projects. Now, the fourth allegation um, is actually the inner intentions uh, communicated in the uh, pamphlets and the, pub, uh, and the published literature of Christian missionaries. There are Christian missionaries and their think tanks. They have insisted to prefer competition over coexistence. Uh, for example, Blue Book Annual Report of Officers and Board of Evangelical and Reformed Church uh, in 1945 clearly stated that on Christian social elections, competition is preferred over coexistence. So, uh, and the advantage with the, which they get uh, in this competition is that there was no reward sharing in um, competition. They are looking for monopolizing the social works so that they, they, they will claim it uh, under the name of Christ. Uh, in order to pursue their goal of mass conversion. So the notion of live or let live has been turned down by these Christian missionaries in, uh, into another notion that is either you live or I live. I would also like to uh, go into the details of the of the, of, a, of a very serious charge which was uh, um, which was in the allegations of uh, Christian missionaries that they have been branded as anti-national force. So uh, again, I would like to state some uh, facts in this regard and. So first is the use of terminologies in the Christian literature. Uh, this committee has observed uh, several terminologies which were used in Christian uh, literature, their magazines, uh, their pamphlets, uh, which were very problematic uh, in their interpretation. So the first one is rooted in the soil versus rooted in the Christ. Uh, it was interpreted by International Missionary Conference held in uh, Wellington in year 1952. They said, and I quote, the church can only be rooted in the Christ. Upon this interpretation, it has been emphasized that the task before the younger churches was a formidable one, as they had to be rooted in the Christ first before they could be related to the soil. So you can clearly see that here they were asking to owe allegiance to the Christ whenever there was a dispute uh, or a conflict that demands uh, allegiance to the soil. Now the second terminology, second problematic terminology was the colony of heaven. Uh, this terminology was used by Christian missionaries repetitively with the rider that it should be a colony of heaven in the country, but not of the country. So the, so again, the loyalty, uh, loyalty aspects they are demanding uh, was into the favor of church and the ideology and not, uh, and therefore not that that should not be rooted in the country. So this was the, the basic difference. Uh, now the third term, third problematic terminology was the historical community of redeemed. Now this implies that the community, uh, that the Christian community is redeemed from the past sins, hence uh, more superior than the others. They prefer to call themselves as the chosen one in their literature. Now there was another concept which is very problematic advocated by Christian uh, missionaries uh, was the concept of supranationalism. Uh, this concept uh, basically uh, says that churches influenced with nationalism, independent in temper and organization, yet needing help from other churches, need to know new understanding, rooted in the soil, yet supranationalism in their witness and obedience. And witness and obedience to whom? To the Christ. 
and who were the torch bearers of uh, Christ uh, in this world? Obviously, the Christian missionaries. So again, there was a uh, there was a question of disloyalty uh, towards the uh, nation. Now, apart from that, they they have a track record of troubling literature and the statement of prominence. Uh, for example, in an article titled Christian Awake, uh, propounded clearly that when there is a conflict between uh, loyalty between Christ and country, the true Christian has to necessarily choose obedience towards the Christ. Uh, in year 1954, Dr. Pickett, while addressing uh, assembly of World Council of Churches, remarked one of the reasons of church unity was to obviate the danger of the growth of nationalism. So for them, again, nationalism is also a problem. Uh, some more additional facts in this regard that article published in missionary papers like Nishkalang, Adivasi, Jharkhand, they have advocated openly uh, the establishment of Pakistan. Uh, and there was also a demand of separate Adivasistan uh, raised uh, during 1938 by Christian missionary uh, missionaries. It received funds from Muslim League as well. Uh, this report uh, quote several references and sources uh, to certify this fact. Uh, now they have uh, troubling. Uh, now we, apart from that, we have troubling precedences and dangerous fallouts of Christian uh, missionaries working against the uh, interest of country. And the first, most uh, important example comes from Chota Nagpur region, uh, where missionaries of Chota Nagpur offered uh, 10,000 con armed converts uh, from coal tribal uh, community to serve the interest of British India uh, during 1857. Uh, the same sort of incidents observed in Burma as well, uh, where Dr. Manson uh, offered Karen converts for armed assistance. Uh, in fact, the recent hostilities in the Northeast region, region uh, also points in that same direction. Mm, they are self-explanatory, but I think there is no need to uh, explain further on that. Uh, now, even if for a moment we, we, we ignore their activities and their sinister mission and vision plans in, in India, and we go outside in the Asian region. There too, they have a very troubling record. For example, in China, uh, a person Caprini sent to uh, this region by missionaries uh, to apparently deliver the message of the Christ to heathens. In reality, he was on the mission of espionage. Uh, now, apart from that, in Japan, um, same story, uh, same story was seen to be played out. Uh, a Spanish captain of the ship admitted on record that the purpose of converting people in Japan was to secure allies to invade their motherland. So they have, they, they, they not only have tra troubling track record in India, but even outside India and other Asian regions, they have a record uh, which raises serious question mark on their conduct and their, in the way in which they're operating on the Indian soil. And now there's one more important aspect here, which I need to discuss that is, uh, the the working of uh, churches in India, their independence is questionable. And why would I say so? Say so, uh, because uh, it is evident in many records and the way in which uh, churches in India operates uh, on the command and the influence of prominent Christian organizations sitting outside the uh, country. So the first one is that the records of Xavier itself uh, certifies this fact that he enlisted the support of Portuguese king to put political pressure on the uh, on Hindus uh, to become Christians. Uh, 
Apart from that, major church denominations in India were under the control of World Church, Com uh, church Councils, operated from outside India. Some important churches were uh, Church of uh, India Burma, United Church of North India, Church of South India, Morthoma Syrian Church of Malabar, Orthodox Syrian Church of Malabar, Evangelical Lutheran Church of India. All these churches work on, uh, on the command uh, commands of uh, World Church Council. Uh, now, I would also like to discuss here the financial aspect of uh, this whole story. And there was a popular uh, saying goes like this, that he who pays the piper calls the tune. Uh, so in terms of uh, financial assistance from the uh, foreign sources, uh, from January 1950 to June 1954, a sum of Rs. 29.27 crores received uh, in India from the foreign sources uh, from different different countries. Uh, those are USA, Canada, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, including UK as well. Uh, and this data of foreign funding came from the records of uh, Reserve Bank of India. Now, as far as the uh, involvement of foreign missionary personnel are concerned, uh, we have a data on that count as well. Uh, as in year 1940, 5,417 uh, foreign uh, missionary uh, personnel were active. Uh, in 1947, this number has come down to 5040. Uh, and in 1955, uh, the number somewhere stood around 4,877. Uh, so in the light of, of all these facts, um, that is the, the way in which they are receiving foreign funds, uh, the, the, the amount in which they are uh, pumping money inside India uh, to run the proselytization projects uh, and, and the number of foreign personnel involved uh, in pursuing uh, the projects of Christianity uh, is quite very alarming. Isn't it so? And it is not only alarming, but it uh, it raised a question about the uh, about uh, uh, the uh, the compromised integrity of India in that point of time. Now, uh, in order, in addition to that, I would also like to mention here uh, that the numbers which I have quoted uh, just before you, uh, the actual numbers exceed the actual statistics, and the reason behind is that there are several smaller mission, Christian missions uh, active in India at that point of time, which do not attach to, which do not have any attachment to the organized church structure. So these numbers are, um, uh, are fairly increased when we add these uh, smaller missions also in that, in those, in those statistics. Now, uh, as far as the MP region is concerned, uh, in Madhya Pradesh, there were uh, 480 foreign, uh, foreign proselytizers were working um, through various missions, and they came, came, came from at least 20 uh, foreign countries. Uh, the data is uh, before you, you can see that. Now, there is another interesting aspect which I would like to uh, discuss here, and that is what proselytizers are receiving uh, in terms of money. Uh, so, there was a starting difference between Indian proselytizers, what Indian proselytizers are receiving and what American proselytizers are receiving. So uh, Indian proselytizers are receiving uh, somewhere $63 uh, per month, uh, along with vehicle allowances and other uh, benefits. Uh, but this number got fairly increased when it comes to uh, the salary and the pay scale of American proselytizers. Uh, annually, this amount somewhere stood around uh, 90 lakh, uh, uh, 7223. Uh, and along with that amount, uh, they were allocated with fully furnished bungalows and other allowances as well. Uh, so 
this difference is very alarming and uh, maybe uh, i can i can guess that uh, this difference in the salaries is because uh, the foreign missionaries have more trust on the uh, modus operandi of american proselytizers uh, than the indian proselytizers uh, so so now the question um, at the end that comes to us is what is the way forward uh so i would like to end this uh, video by citing the recommendations of the committee uh, newgi committee report and those recommendations are first one is uh, to place an amendment in the constitution clarifying that the right to propagate only available to indian citizens second one is rules relating to the recruitment of doctors nurses to provide conditions against evangelical activities third one is uh, circulation of literature meant for religious conversion propaganda without the approval of a state should should be prohibited uh then welfare of minor and orphans uh, is the primary duty of the state any non government organization dealing with them need prior approval of the state government the fifth one is that no foreign agency uh, should be permitted uh, to secure foreign assistance except uh, through government channels um, sixth one is that no foreign or organization receiving funds uh, foreign funds should be allowed to operate in scheduled areas without written undertaking that such person or organization will not involve in any political activity uh then the seventh one is that the programs of social and economic welfare by religious organizations must need prior approval of the state the eighth one is that the use of medical and other services uh, for the purpose of uh, conversion uh, must be prohibited under law and the ninth one is that the implement uh, that uh, it suggests the implementation of a provision in the constitution that prohibits imparting of uh, religious education uh, in schools uh, without the approval of parents and guardians uh, tenth one is that religious institutions uh, should be prohibited to engage in recruiting labor for tea plantation as there are several instances quoted in the, uh, in the report uh, where uh, in people from indigenous community uh, were abducted and they were uh, for sent for forced labor in tea plantation uh, in assam uh so these are all the recommendations uh i would like to end my uh, presentation here and uh, although i have some differences with the uh, with the recommendations which were made by the committee but i'll cover uh, that part in the next video till that i'll take your leave namaste